morning, everyone. Uh, my name's John. Uh, welcome to all those who are new here. This morning we're coming to communion and uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So just as we do that, and before we do that, I'd just like to share a couple of thoughts around Jesus. Remember me, Jesus said, at the Lord's Supper, at the Lord's table. And this morning what I'd like to share in relationship to that is around what Jesus' passion was. We've all got a passion, haven't we? Most people are passionate about something. What was Jesus' passion? Is what I'd like to share this morning. What was Jesus' passion? You know, when I was younger, I used to think Jesus' passion was all about love because it was the 70s and love was the thing. Then I thought it was about grace. Then I thought it was about salvation because Jesus came to save us all, which he did do is what communion to some degree is about but his passion through those three and a half years what was his passion it's only recently come to me that I've understood what his passion was because he shared it in nearly everything that he said every parable that he talked about he talked about the fishnet he talked about the farmers he talked about sowing seeds he talked about all these things and what was his message in relationship to those? What was his passion? You know, his passion was about the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is coming. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Because it is about his kingdom. And his kingdom revolutionized the New Testament. The people in the New Testament were killed, were tortured, were alienated because they had a different king. And they were of a different kingdom. They were aliens in this land. So if that's Jesus' passion, where's our passion? Where's my passion? Remembering Jesus, remembering what he did, remembering his sacrifice was for the kingdom, for us to be part of that kingdom and to join him in his kingdom because he wanted his kingdom to come. So we have communion on the four corners. So when you're free, make your way to those corners and take it at your leisure as you think about the kingdom of God and Jesus' passion. Good morning everyone and thank you Tim for the invitation for us to come up and uh, well we've been up a couple of times in the last few months on family business, now we're here on church family business. <laughs> so it's great to be with you again and um, had a great day yesterday with the guys. Um, let me just get this thing out and get it ready. You know, I'm not sure if um, these devices are actually any better than using um, you know, paper and pads and hard copy Bibles or not. But anyway, here we are in the technological age. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> but um, yeah, good to be with you. And 
Um, you know, I, I just really got stirred, well, firstly, during the worship, and I got so ministered to by the sincerity of your worship. Yeah. And so, thank you. Um, do you realize that when we worship in, not only in spirit, but in truth, which part of that is sincerity, we don't just minister to God. We minister to one another. Because something transacts in the spirit amongst us, eh? You know? And so, um, so yeah, thank you for, for how you worship and what a blessing it was to me this morning. Yeah. And just great to hear the good outcome, you know, from what happened this morning. So, God's good, hey? Yeah. He is good. Very good. And uh, it is all about his kingdom, you know. Do you know it's not about us? Church is not about me. Maybe we should all say that. One, two, three. Church is not about me. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't usually do that stuff. Right. <laughs> but it's true. Church is not about us. Jesus said, I'll build my ecclesia, you know, which Tim just talked about. And he said, the gates of hell will not be strong enough against us. That's actually what it means. Shall not prevail literally means the gates of hell, Satan's fortress, can, will never be strong enough against our advance. As long as it's about him. Yeah. If it's about us and how we like it, want it, you know what we think it should be and all that kind of stuff, we actually diminish ourselves and we're not the powerful force we're supposed to be. But when it's all about him, then even, the, even Satan's headquarters is too weak against us. Isn't that awesome? And so, yeah, you, know, you guys have got some warfare stuff going on, but I have to tell you something. It doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. As long as we make it about him and not about us, yeah, then we carry such authority and power that nothing the devil tries to do in this town can actually be strong enough against the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. I think we should have an altar call right away for all those people who, you know, think it's about you, you know. <laughs> what do you reckon? I'm leaving town tomorrow so I can say those things. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> uh, it really is. All right. <laughs> but seriously, it's not about us, you know. Yeah, and by the way, I haven't come to preach what I feel to preach today. Did you know that? Firstly, you've got to talk about what God says to talk about. But not only that, you know, um, you know Tim's the set man. He's the father of this house. Yeah, so he's asked me to speak on a particular thing, and that's what I'm going to do because it's not about me. <laughs> it's about what Tim, as the father of the house, senses in his heart that God needs to speak to us about. Yeah, and uh, and what we're talking about is fathers and sons, spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. Yeah, and you know, some years back. Um, there are a bunch of books written about the Father Heart of God, you know. But you know, the Father Heart of God gets expressed through spiritual fathers. How's that? Yeah. And by the way, fathers is not a gender specific term. 
Yeah. God's our father, but, you know, father and mother all come out of God. And, of course, the world has done silly things with that. And there's actually a Bible translation built around calling God mother, which is just an aberration of the truth. The truth is God's our father, but he made us all. He made male and female. We've all come out of him. And so fathers is not gender specific. It's a heart. It's a kind of, it's a type of heart. It's the father heart of God in us and through us. And, you know, spiritual sons, again, is not gender specific. We're all sons. Yeah? So, ladies, if you object to being sons, then let me just tell you the opposite that men have got to deal with. We men have got to be the bride of Christ. Come on. <laughs> right? So, again, it's not about us and how we feel about these terms. Biblically, they're not gender specific. They're about a, a, a kind of heart. Yeah, the Father heart of God and our, our heart in response as his sons. And you know, just because we're saved doesn't mean we know what being sons is about. Because in John 1 it says, to those who believed in him and received him, to them he gave the right to become sons. Sons is a thing we become. But guess what mature sons become? They become fathers who produce sons, who become fathers, who produce sons, and this is the generational nature of the kingdom. Yeah. So I've got three sons, and uh, they're in their late um, 30s, early 40s, and um, surprisingly, they're a lot like me. They look like me. They walk like me. They have my sense of humour. There's been many times over the years where we've been together, myself and my three sons, and people have commented and said, oh, are you four brothers, are you? Now, that's a great compliment. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, sons have got to look like their father. You've got to be able to see the, the father in the sons. Yeah? Now, we're okay with that about our heavenly father, but, you know... If we're sons of a spiritual father, something of the spiritual father will be seen in us. Yeah? Do you know the culture of this house, this, this church family, is because of the father of the family? True? Yeah. It's a great thing, isn't it? You know? And um, I'm glad he called himself the papa of the house before because <laughs> that's the truth of it, you know? Yeah. We've, we've kind of formalized things and made things organizational, you know, and we've got all these terms for different positions in churches. But, you know, leadership in the kingdom of God is fathering. Anything else is not an expression of the father heart of God. <laughs> How's that? Yeah? But God expresses his heart through fathers. And it starts in the home. It starts in the family. You know, as a father, I have to be the expression of the heavenly father to my kids and now my grandkids. Yeah? Because that's how the kingdom of God works. That's how God set it up. And it's really sad that we've, you know, gone this organizational route and, you know, everything's all slick and structured in many church circles and so on. 
when actually it's supposed to be about that we actually come to know God the Father through our spiritual fathers as well as directly ourselves. Yeah? And what an amazing thing it is when, um, you know, when, when a person who's leading a church family is actually the father of the family. How can we be a family without a father? <laughs> and so in many places people say, oh, we're a family, but they don't have a father. Well, we know what that is, don't we? That's either a rebellious son who's run away or that's an orphan or that's something else. It's not actually true father, you know, spiritual fathering and then people rising up in sonship. Amen? So why don't we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4, and um, I love these verses. Not that they're my favourite or anything, but um, I just think they're fantastic with regard to talking about you know, spiritual fathering and sonship. And um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14, um, Paul says, I do not write these things to shame you. So he was talking to them about a whole lot of stuff that was going on in the church in Corinth. But he, but he said, I'm not writing this stuff to shame you. See, fathers don't shame their sons. They may correct them, but they don't shame them. And so Paul's expressing the father heart of God here to the church at Corinth. And he's saying, well, your, your heavenly father's not going to shame you. And he says, I'm not shaming you, right? But as my beloved children, I warn you. Wow. So he, he, this is the language of fathering, isn't it? He says, you're my children. You're my sons and daughters. And then he says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. So what did the church in Corinth need? It needed more fathers. Because you can't have sons without fathers. Yeah. If, if we don't have fathers, we're just servants or maybe slaves, orphans, you know. And so, so he says, you might have 10,000 instructors. Well, the word instructor actually means an immature leader, a servant leader, you know. That's many translations say teacher, but actually in the Greek, it's, the expression is about, you know, in fact, it was used often, apparently, for the, the uh, servant in the household who actually took the kids to their instruction, to school. All right? So they, they walked them to school. So you can imag imagine it today, right? That um, you've, you're, you're wealthy enough to have a servant in the home and that servant's job is to walk your kids to school. You know, get them across the crossings, look out for traffic, get them there safely, come back in the afternoon, pick them up, walk them home, keep them safe, right? That's the expression Paul uses here. So he's saying that the church in Corinth was actually dumbed down to where they had all these so-called instructors and teachers, but they were immature and they were just fulfilling a task. So that's really what Paul's saying. So you've got 10,000 of these. They're dime a dozen. That's really what Paul's saying. Hey? But then he says, you do not have many fathers. And, you, uh, and I don't know about you, but I hear the, the, the passion of Paul's heart. Man, you, we need more fathers. The church in Corinth was like it was because they didn't have enough fathers. Things got out of order because they didn't have enough fathers. Wow. It's not that they didn't have enough leaders or didn't have enough structure or all that kind of stuff. 
It was that they didn't have enough fathers, so therefore the father heart of God wasn't being you know, expressed and wasn't being imparted you know, to, the, to the, um, the church in Corinth. I don't know about you, but this, this, this kind of is like how much we need fathers. Yeah? Boy, we need fathers. And yet sadly, there's a bit of a move in, and has been for some time now, in some parts of the church general, to actually just aim at only at the younger generation, which makes the fathers and mothers feel like they're superfluous. That's not how the kingdom of God works. You know, all of us here with grey hair and, you know, maybe you're over 50, 60, whatever. I want to tell you today, you are the most essential people in the body of Christ. Come on, you are. You are the most essential people because you're the fathers and mothers. Yeah. Without you, we don't have the, a balanced expression of the kingdom of God. Without you, we don't have true ecclesia. You know, the, the, the ecclesia, the kingdom of God, is about the whole breadth of ages, the whole breadth of generations. It's not about one generation, but I'll tell you something, if we don't have fathers, we are so lacking because then we don't have sons. Yeah? So, every single one of us is important in the kingdom of God, but the older we get, the more essential we become if we've got the heart of the Father and if we know how to express that as a spiritual Father. Amen? So, the older we get, we should not feel like our days are done. The older we get, we should not feel like we're out of touch. The older we get, we should not feel like, oh, well, you know, I don't have the energy anymore. You know, let's hand it all over to the young people. No, no, no. The older we get, the more essential we are. You know, my dad's 95 years old. He still drives. It's a scary thought. I've told him so. <laughs> we had a bit of a laugh about it, you know. <laughs> but you know, something more than ever, I hear God in what my dad says. More than ever, I hear the voice of God when dad's talking. Yeah. Because the older we get, the more we actually express the father heart of God. And then our sons begin to hear the father's heart through our fathers and that's both naturally and spiritually this is how the kingdom works so I better move on <laughs> he says for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel I've birthed you I birthed something in you you know you, you know the thing is that um, um, I'm guessing that most people in this room came from another church at some point yeah another church experience at some point yeah but because of the heart of the father of this house, something fresh and new has been birthed in you in your time here. Is that correct? Yeah. This is what Paul's talking about. This is not just people getting saved, but this is about the birthing of the stuff of God in us, birthing of the, the understanding of the kingdom of God in us, the birthing in us of, of what God is doing now and where God wants to take us into the future. You know, And so this is what Paul's talking about. It's about the birthing of things, and fathers are the key to that. Father, sow the seed. 
You know, far, when, when things get birthed, then, then fathers, are, and fathers and mothers, you know what I'm saying, are part of then the process of the growth and development and maturing of all of that. Yeah? And this is what Paul's talking about here. And then he, then he says, therefore I urge you imitate me. Now, when I was young, nobody understood and nobody wanted to talk about Paul saying imitate me. In fact, I heard people preaching about, no, 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 you can't talk like that. Well, actually, it's in the Bible, inspired by the Spirit of God. <laughs> Come on, it is. So what's Paul saying? Is he saying being a clone of me? No, he's not. You know, when, when I was a young preacher, that's how it was, you know. In those days, we were up on the high stage, right? not down where the people are, you know. And um, not only were the musicians and everybody else up there, but all the, the, the ministry team sat up there looking at the congregation. And we had a dress code. <laughs> right? It had to be grey trousers, white shirt, dark blue blazer. You could choose your own shoes and your own tie. <laughs> and of course, I was the youth pastor, you know. So hair down to here, big beard. I, I was the odd one out. Because the rest of the ministry team had short back and sides, you know. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not about being cloned. It's about having the DNA of the Heavenly Father. And we receive that directly as we mature, but also we receive it through our spiritual fathers. Amen? Yeah. It's about DNA. My natural sons have my DNA. That's why they're like me. If we actually receive impartation of the DNA of our Heavenly Father through our spiritual fathers and also as we mature directly you know, from our Heavenly Father, we are going to look like both our spiritual fathers and our Heavenly Father. Wow. That's awesome, hey? Because the more Christ is, you know, um, the more Christ-like our fathers become, the more they express the Father, the more they show the Father, the more they impart who the Father is. It's wonderful, isn't it? Then, and so Paul says, imitate me in the way I am fathering you. That's really what he's talking about there. You can't take that statement out of the context. So when Paul says, I urge you to imitate me, he's talking about, come on, fathers, be fathers. Come on, fathers, express the father heart of God. Come on, fathers, father the immature, father the new believers, you know, father those that are, you know, need to get set free in areas, father them, yeah? Because this is, because this is how we express the, the agape love of God. And people don't respond just to some kind of ministry, people actually respond to what flows out of our hearts, the grace we carry. And so those of us who, who are mature believers, then we have an incredible role until the day we're taken to heaven, and that is to be an expression of the Father heart of God and therefore father the next generations. And that's what makes a church the ecclesia of God because God is expressed in this way. Amen? Then, then he gives us in verse 17, he actually gives us an example of this. He says, for this reason, I sent you Timothy. Wow. So he points to Timothy as the example of what he's talking about. He says, for this reason, I've sent Timothy to you. 
who's my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Right there, he calls him his son. Do you know, there's a bunch of people in Christendom who say, no, this, this spiritual fathering and sonship thing, that's just wrong. Because, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, call no man father. Well, if you actually read the whole account and read that in the context, what Jesus was saying was, don't put anybody in the place of our Heavenly Father. Because the Pharisees put themselves in the place of God the Father over the people of Israel. And so Jesus was actually pulling down that stronghold. He was not saying you should not have spiritual fathers. He was actually speaking to something that was so out of order in Israel that he had to deal with it. And that is that the Pharisees thought they could become God to the people. They could actually be in God's seat over the people. But that's not what spiritual fathering is about. So if somebody says to you, oh, no, call no man father, they need to go back and read that account and read that statement in the context because that is not a verse that actually sort of sweeps the rug out from under the concept of spiritual fathering and sonship. It's actually the opposite to that. It's actually dealing with a wrong approach where people want to be in God's seat. Yeah? And of course, that can become cultish eventually if it goes to an extreme. Also, it can be controlling, manipulating. But spiritual fathers, none of the, fathering is none of those things. Amen? Because fathers want the best for their sons. Fathers want to see their sons actually uh, do greater than they've done. Yeah? Yeah. Do you know, my youngest son, when he was two and three years old, boy, was he a handful. He, in fact, he was a nightmare, to be honest. He was. He was an absolute nightmare. And in the middle of it, when it was at its worst, God spoke to me and he said, I'm going to put the mantle I've put on you on him. Now that's a great promise to have when you've got a nightmare of a kid. <laughs> Do you know that um, before he turned 30, he had ministered all around the world. He had actually gone to many more countries than I had before I turned 30 preaching the gospel. Yeah. Did I kind of think, oh man, you know, who does this kid think he is doing better than me? Fathers don't think like that. Come on. Seriously, you know what I'm saying, hey? Fathers, don't, fathers want their, their sons, their kids to go way beyond. Yeah? And so this, this is Paul's heart for Timothy. He says, I've sent Timothy to you. He's my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Wow. Paul's a father. He's talking to the Corinthians about, forget about all these instructors you've got. You need fathers. So I'm your example of being a father. That's what he's saying. If you do it like I'm doing it, you're at least, you know, you're released off to a good start. <laughs> That's what, Paul, what Paul's saying. And then he says, here's my example. I have Father Timothy. He's my son. And, you know, there's a bunch of ways that Paul des uh, described his sons. Firstly, just son. Then he would talk about true sons, sincere sons, faithful sons, beloved sons. And right through to where in, in the English translations, he calls people brother, even Timothy and Titus and some of these others who were his sons. And the Greek expression is born from the same womb. 
right? So they're his sons, but they've so matured that it's like they're his brothers now. Wow. This is the level of maturity that fathers can bring their sons up into in the kingdom of God. To where, yes, there's still the father-son relationship, if you will, but it's like we're equals now. You know, one of the churches that relates to us in Brisbane, the guy who leads it, he's uh, six foot seven or eight or something, you know, so I feel a bit like, mm, you know. <laughs> and, um, but he's positioned himself as a son to me in God. And yet, some of the revelations he gets, I just kind of like, wow, you know. But he's a brother-son. The, the, the relationship is accurate. The alignment is accurate. Doesn't mean I'm better than him. This is the order in God. Yeah? And then grace gets released. Grace flows. And the sons that actually accurately align in relationship and in humility and so on, that what actually happens is so much grace gets released to them that they become like brother sons over time. Yeah? So... God's given him, you know, uh, stuff in Cambodia. When we went there together, it was amazing. Because we're ministering like we're equals, and yet he's telling the key guy there, oh, yes, Phil's my spiritual father. And the guy was a bit confused at first. In his mind, oh, we've got two great men of God from Australia, you know, all that stuff. But actually what began to manifest was that I now don't just have a, faithful son or a true son he's become a brother son and this is how multi, you know, the multiplication of leadership in the kingdom of God gets formed yeah it's not because of skill talent ability giftings and whatever it's because the father the, the sons become fathers and they become brother sons to the father of the house does that make sense and then there's, a, then there's a, a release of the grace of God. So this is how Paul's apostolic team worked. He said to one church, I'm sending you Timothy because I have no one else who's like-minded. And Timothy was still in his 20s then. Now there's a maturing son. There's a brother-son in development, hey? Yeah? And so I want to take three things out of this verse just to finish off today. Firstly, sons honour their father. So we as sons of our heavenly father, this, that's the bottom line. We, we honour him. We honour his name. End of story. It's not about us, it's about him. Yeah. Who I am, what I like, what I want, what my preferences are, what I think is actually irrelevant in the kingdom of God. It's all about him because he's the king. See, in a kingdom, it's not about the subjects, it's about the king. Yeah? So in this kingdom, it's the same. It's all about King Jesus, which is one of the reasons I so enjoyed being with you for worship this morning, you know? We were so focused on King Jesus. Yeah, exciting, hey? And so Paul calls him my beloved and faithful son. Why was he beloved and faithful? He honoured Paul as his father. And so a culture of honour is actually the key to, the, to this whole thing working. Sons honour fathers. But you know, the reason they can do that is because the fathers are honouring the sons. Yeah? <laughs> Paul honoured Timothy. 
a guy in his 20s, but he said to one church, I'm sending him to you because he's the, the one most like-minded. He's talking Timothy up, not in a wrong way, you know. He's giving him honour. So what was Timothy's response as a son? He honoured Paul, beloved and faithful. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Number two, sons know their place in the family. You know, in the natural, sometimes they learn this the hard way. <laughs> you know, particularly in the teenage years, right? <laughs> Actually, I loved fathering my kids in the teenage years, more than the years before, um, but that's just me. But, you know, sons come to know their place in the family. You know, Paul said that Timothy would remind them of Paul's ways in Christ. How is that? Yeah. See, Timothy knew his place in the family. He knew his place in the apostolic team. He knew his place as far as who he was when he went to Corinth and so on. And, um, but it was because of the honour between him and Paul. And so the, the more we honour one another, the more we you know, um, uh, give, give way to one another, the more we respect one another. As, we were saying to the guy, as I was saying to the guys yesterday, the more we actually see each other according to the Spirit rather than the flesh, you know, then what's going to happen is we'll all find our place and every one of us then becomes fruitful and effective. Every one of us, uh, every one of us becomes important in God's purposes and processes. And in the way we advance the kingdom together, amen. And the thing is, he says, he's not going to have his own message. He says, he'll remind you of my ways in Christ. Now, this is not about, well, I do it this way, you know, and this is how you've got to do it. It's not that at all. It's that we catch something from our fathers. It's caught. You know, there's, there's a grace gets released when we're accurately aligned and then we, we're catching it. We're receiving the impartation. The understanding comes. The revelation flows until, you know, we, we're actually not just speaking our own stuff. We're speaking the stuff that's flowing in the house from the Heavenly Father, from the Holy Spirit, through the fathers of the house. Yeah. Do you know Jesus didn't have his own message? He only spoke what the Father told him to say. So Jesus, the Son of God, didn't have his own message. He had his Father's message. Yeah? Then when, the, when Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, he said, and he also will not speak on his own authority. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't have his own message. Yeah, he'll remind you of the message Christ preached, which was actually the Father's. Come on. So what are we to do as spiritual fathers? We're to have that same message. It's not what I think or what I want. It's what we're hearing from God, you know. And then, then the, we, we, this is what we share, you know. And so Timothy as a son didn't go to Corinth with his top 10 best sermons. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Timothy went there with the heart of his spiritual father, Paul, and he poured out as though Paul himself was there. That's called death to self, isn't it? Yeah. But you see, Paul said he'll remind you of my ways in Christ. Why? Paul, uh, Timothy understood his place in the context, his relationship with the spiritual father, and multiple actually because the apostle Luke was in Paul's team and a whole bunch of other apostles and prophets, you know. But he knew his place 
when he was sent out, he didn't just go out to do his own thing because he was a son. He went out and did as though his father was there, Paul. If we can get this order in the body of Christ, we're going to become powerful like the New Testament church was across the land. Yeah. And it's about alignment. It's about understanding spiritual father and son relationship and, and how it works out, you know. And, you know, um, in, one of the, in the Proverbs, there's a verse where Solomon says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes guard my ways. Wow. See, this thing only works if we give each other our hearts. And then we come to understand the ways of the Father through our fathers. Yeah? And then we can guard those ways. So we don't do our own thing. We don't have our own message. We only have what the Father, Heavenly Father is saying and how we've learnt it through our spiritual fathers. Yeah? Then there's cohesion. Then there's just one direction. Then we're, we're actually indivisible. We're immovable. We can't be shaken. We're one body. We're all saying the same thing because we've learnt it from our fathers who are receiving it from the Heavenly Father. It's awesome, isn't it? All right, number three, sons advance the family business. You know, when I was a young preacher, when I was a youth pastor, I got to the point where I was very what they called successful. You know, we had about 300 young people in the youth group. We had all kinds of stuff going on. We are making a real impact in, in the city of Brisbane. And, um, you know, but there was, you know, just like many young, young guys and young ladies as well, it was like, oh, man, you know, I want to get out and do something bigger, better. I wasn't a son. And, um, you know, so I went out and did my thing. And I started a church. We saw God do amazing things. It grew to a couple of hundred people in, in a couple of years, and I burnt out. <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't a son to anybody. I'm not sure that I was really becoming a son to my heavenly father. I was so fixed on doing my thing. But sonship is not about that. You see, in the, in the word of God, sons advance the father's business. Not their own thing. Now that's powerful. I'll tell you why. Because if we're advancing the father's business, the father's always backing us up. <laughs> if, we're, if we're actually doing only what the heavenly father wants us to do, then the heavenly father's backing us up. But also if we're sent by our spiritual fathers, then they're backing us up in prayer and encouragement, sending resources, whatever, you know. And whether it's to go out on the streets here or whether it's to go plant a church in another town somewhere or whatever it might be, or whether it's simply to go to your neighbourhood, there's so much backup when we're advancing the Father's business, which includes the business that our spiritual fathers are engaged in under the Heavenly Father. There's safety. There's protection. There's guidance. There's wisdom. You know, there's everything we need. But of course, you know, when we're young, we kind of think we're going to conquer the world all by ourselves, right? Which is why this kingdom is contrary to the ways of the world. 
And, um, and if you're a young person here this morning listening to me, I, I want to encourage you, don't just do what young people do. Learn what kingdom young people are to do. And Timothy's an amazing example of that. He really is. And, uh, and so sons advance the family business. Paul says here, as I teach everywhere in every church. In other words, Timothy's going to come to you and he's going to advance the kingdom. And he's learned how to do that as a son to me, Paul's saying. And I've been an example to him because I've learned it from my heavenly father. Wow. And if we can see this put into the body of Christ in a functional, powerful way, do you know what? Not only will the body of Christ be one, not only will we truly be a family that the world can look at and acknowledge, but also, as I said, there's going to be a cohesion and a focus, and we're all going to be saying the same thing. We're all going to be working together. And, um, and as a result, the, the gates of hell cannot prevail. They cannot prevail. What an awesome thought, hey? Nothing the enemy does will ever be strong enough against a body of people built on these kind of principles. Yeah? And so discipleship is actually about people becoming sons. Wow. Maturing in the body of Christ is about us becoming sons who become fathers, who produce sons and raise them up to become fathers, and, and the, the list go, and it just goes on and on. And, you know, we can raise generations of sons in our, life, in our lifetime. We can. This is not about, well, I, I raise sons in one generation and then, you know, natural generation and then we've got to wait till the next natural generation. No. We can raise generations of sons in our lifetime. And I've got to say, like I'm in my mid-60s and I'm so blessed sometimes going places to minister because someone will come to talk to me and they'll say, oh, you know, you, you had so-and-so in, in such and such a church you were leading and they led me to the Lord and now I'm over here doing this and I think, wow, that's how it works. It's exciting. See, if we actually will beget stuff, you know, um, actually birth stuff in people and they become sons, then they'll birth stuff in other, other people as well. What an awesome thought, hey? So in this sense, every single one of us is essential to the kingdom of God. But I want to say again, you know, if, if you're, um, you know, if, if you're past 50, let me say it like that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, if you're over 50... You don't have to go live in a park, all right? Just saying. <laughs> all right, I'll, no, I'll stop that. <laughs> Not just if you're over 50. The older we get, the more important we are in the processes of God amongst the body of Christ. Why don't we stand together? And I'd like to pray. You know, I've just shared my heart this morning, just shared the stuff I felt that, you know, the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk about. And um, there's been just such an incredible sense of the seal of God upon the whole service today, you know. And also, I've just 
sense. I could see impartation happening right across this room. And um, so I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to unfold the revelation of these things. Because today is about sowing seeds. But if you water them in prayer and the Word, and in meditation, in discussion with one another, you know, then the revelation is going to keep unfolding. And every single one of us, as fathers, sons, will find our place. Not just in, well, what department am I in? You know, what's my job description? I'm not talking about that. Because we're supposed to be accurately fit together, Paul says in Ephesians 4. Yeah? If we're connected together right in the Spirit, connected together right as fathers and sons, then there's going to be life flow, each part doing its share. There's going to be supernatural life flow amongst us that will upscale us all in the things of God. Yeah? See, it's not about getting some promotion as in, well, I'm the head of this department in the church. No, 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 no. It's about what, how God upscales us when we're accurately aligned to His Word and to one another. Yeah? And, and um, you know, so God's teaching us how His kingdom works which is so different from our past church experiences. Yeah. And it means a mindset shift. But the Holy Spirit's the master of mindset shifts. True? All you've got to get is a revelation and suddenly you think differently about something. Yeah. So why don't we pray? Father, we thank you. As Paul prayed to the Ephesians, that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, wisdom and understanding, wisdom and comprehension. And Lord, I pray this for these people today, for this wonderful congregation, this wonderful expression of your kingdom here in Bundaberg. I just pray right now for an impartation, Holy Spirit, that you would impart into each person, Lord, another level, another dimension of, of who you are, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, that these, these seeds that Lord, have been sowed in our hearts today, Lord, that they will grow, that that understanding will just keep unfolding about these things, oh God. And that, um, that you'll continue to, to teach us and to train us, Lord, in, in your kingdom ways. Lord, so that we'll understand your process of, processes of becoming sons who become fathers, who beget sons, who become fathers, who beget sons. And that, Lord, all around us, we can be pouring into those that are around about us and seeing them grow and mature in you and grow in their understanding of, the, of your ways and of your kingdom and the way it works and, the way we, and where we fit in it. Lord, because we want to advance your business, our Heavenly Father. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us all the principles we need to be able to do that. And we thank you that revelation is flowing amongst us. It's flowing in our hearts. Understanding is coming. It's unfolding so that we can continue to walk more and more in your kingdom ways. So I bless these people today. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I bless you in Jesus' name. You know, there are, there are many lights in the city. But you know, some churches are candlestick churches. And that brings a great responsibility. Because a candlestick church is a church of influence. And I just sense the Holy Spirit is saying that these things that we're talking about and other things you're being taught week to week are incredibly important. And, and um, we must pay full attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and how He wants it to be built into our lives because 
You as a body are a candlestick church in this city, in this region. A church of influence in the spirit. And so God is refining. God is also building. God is revealing. God is imparting so that you can become brighter and so that you can become more effective in your kingdom influence and in your influence in the realm of the spirit over this city and over this region. So God, I thank you for that today. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Thanks, Phil.